Welcome to Birth Mystics with your hosts, Stephanie and Katie. Last week, we got to learn about Freya and this incredible Norse mythology and how that led Katie into um, incorporating Freya into her business. So this week, we wanted to jump over to Bava, which has hugely influenced my birth work. Now, Bava is not a person like Freya was, Mm -hmm. but it is a pretty amazing concept. It is a Sanskrit word that is, and again, I'll spell it for you, B-H-A-V-A. So that H is kind of silent. So for those who don't know what Sanskrit is, where is that from? It's like the ancient language of India. It's not so much a spoken language, Mm -hmm. but it's what a lot of the ancient texts are written in. So mostly it's a studied language in, in, in order to translate those texts and understand those texts. So when it's spelled that way, B-H-A-V-A, it translates into becoming. So that in and of itself is just a really lovely word to me. Mm-hmm. But what really hooked me is that when you spell it B-H-A-V-A-H at the end, it translates into giving birth. And so Aww. I thought, oh, etymology for the win. Here's this profound corollary between the process of becoming and giving birth, and somehow that's just like written into this Sanskrit language that there was this deep understanding of that connection. So that just jumped off the page, and I knew that that embodied everything that I was trying to teach in my birth work. And so I um, adopted that as the name of my course and my doula work. But it goes even deeper than that because this word was mostly used in the um, by Buddhists as they were describing reincarnation. And they would talk about how in the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth, that there has to be some kind of gap. Because if that is the cycle where we're born, we live, we die, and then we're reborn, that that would be a very two-dimensional existence. Mm -hmm. And um, like if you were here with me in person, I would draw for you like a circle on a piece of paper and essentially show you that it's just a cycle that leads nowhere. (laughs) It's kind of in some ways a vicious cycle because Mm -hmm. who would want to be trapped in an endless cycle like that where you there's no sign of progress, right? Yeah. And so Buddhists described that, that there's actually a gap between death and rebirth. And guess what word they insert in the middle? Bhava. And they say that without bhava, you are stuck in a never-ending loop of rinse and repeat. Mm. But with bhava, what happens is that in your rebirthing cycle, you suddenly move on to a three-dimensional plane. And so again, if you were here with me in person, imagine my finger starting at the piece of paper and drawing a circle, and then it just spirals upward. Um, Think of it like um, a slide or a staircase that just elevates up. So to me, having it be this like three-dimensional perspective makes 
all the difference between feeling stuck in this never-ending cycle versus, oh my gosh, I am in a process of evolution. Mm. So to me, I started to see, oh, this is like how the universe is structured. This is the spiral of DNA. This is the spiral of galaxies. This is like the Fibonacci sequence because spirals are everywhere, right? (laughs) Yes. And this is like my science brain that was just like kind of geeking out with this concept. Um, in a future episode, I, I hope to even talk about Kundalini, which is depicted as a spiral, a serpentine coiled um, spiral. Now, this is about reincarnation. So like what application does this have to birth, right? Well, here's the thing. Even if, even if we're just talking about one lifetime and we can let go of this broader um, perspective of, of multiple lives, I think the application is so palpable Mm. because we did mention in our last episode that there's different ways to die, (laughs) right? Mm. Yes. And it's not always such a physical, literal death, but birth shows us that there's absolutely a metaphorical death that that has to take place. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I began to see where Bhava kind of entered into that cycle, that changed how I started educating my clients and how it kind of infused into my my birth work because I didn't want my clients to feel that their birth was just a vicious cycle, that there was nothing to be had from it, that they were just kind of trapped in this loop. But instead, it's like, hey, let's identify that gap between the death and the rebirth And that's the space of becoming. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It's dark. It's messy. It can be incredibly isolating. It can be confusing. It can be painful. You're physically incapacitated. In many ways, it's like we're describing the cocoon or the chrysalis. Like Mm -hmm. this is what the butter, sorry, the caterpillar has to enter into that state And he doesn't come out the same caterpillar on the other end, because if so, that would be the vicious cycle. But instead, as we know, a metamorphosis is taking place and he's able to come out on the other side, a different creature. Mm. He's not even just a caterpillar with wings. Yeah. He's like a freaking different creature. Yep. That's what Bhava can do for us in our birth experience, that we have to learn to like work with birth and to see it as a process of becoming one of my catchphrases that I really love is that birth is not our undoing it's our becoming Mm. undoing for me is connected to like fear it sounds like the opposite of progress it sounds like it'll take me apart it'll break me down absolutely like we've talked about before is not the end of the world and is actually part of becoming but when you frame it that way as undoing, you frame it in this light of like destruction. Yes. As as in suffering. Right. But if you turn it around and say, I am becoming, I love the idea of like that mindset shift that happens because it's the same situation. Yes, it is actually going to take you apart. It is going to be destructive. <laughs> yeah. A caterpillar becomes a ball of mush. Mm-hmm. He doesn't grow wings and change. He becomes a ball of mush. Exactly. It breaks down into like those basic elements so that it can then rebuild itself into something entirely new. Yes. But when we have that mindset of, I'm not, this isn't breaking me apart 
with the intent to destroy. This is breaking me the in- apart with the intent to build, yes. with the intent to refresh and renew. And reinvent. And reinvent and mm-hmm. give me wings to fly. Absolutely. <laughs> like that that is the becoming that awaits me. And that is, that's, lead you, that leads you into the cocoon with this, like, of course it's not going to be fun to become goo. <laughs> I'm not like, looking forward I'm to that. I'm not looking forward to that, but yeah. at least I have this idea that that's that, I'm not going to get stuck. I'm not going to, it's not all for nothing. It's not this dead cycle. So I love that that mindset little shift in there. It's beautiful. It's so significant. And again, this was the the game changer for me to step out of victimization where birth was happening to me mm. and onto a path of empowerment where, ah, birth is happening for me. Yes. This is like working for my good. This is trying to, to help me let go of all of the things that were holding me back. And when you are opened on so many layers, that's exactly what you're being shown. It's like, oh, here's this stuff you've been holding on to. And here's that trauma you never dealt with. And here's this mm. psychological thing you've tried to keep hidden. Well, you know, birth brings it all up to the surface. And now here's the thing. Like, I am so grateful for the language that's changing in this, in the Western world around like postpartum mood disorders, for example, and that we have like a diagnosis process to, to finally put like a name to these things. Mm. Because I would say that those postpartum mood disorders are in that gap between death and rebirth. Like to me, that's the bava period. Okay. Mm. But unfortunately, like that's, that's as far as we go with it. Here's the diagnosis and we identify what you're going through and good luck, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I like to work with clients once they have that diagnosis and they have a specific support system in place, which sometimes includes medication. It's okay. Now that you have this diagnosis and this information, what are we going to do with it? You know, how can we use that to actually continue your process of becoming? Because that's, again, the shift between, oh, I'm a victim to this big, scary diagnosis, as opposed to, oh, I have this diagnosis and I'm going to explore it. What is it? What is it telling me about myself? What can I learn from it? How can I work with what is and help help me become like the very best version of myself? It's so different for each person. But um, I would say that all of us experience our own very unique bhava period in the childbirth process. One really interesting thing that I kind of want to throw in here, Katie, have you ever been to the Krishna temple in our area here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really beautiful Hindu temple. Mm -hmm. And I've been there multiple times for different reasons. But one time I was able to go and they had somebody that like gave us a tour. I was like, sweet. Yeah, I've never had like an official tour. So they were taking us through and explaining the different symbolism of the different things and the different rooms and what they were used for. And at one point, there was this huge painting that we stopped at and the host or the tour guide said that this painting represented reincarnation. And and the painting showed basically the lifespan of a human being. It showed on the left side a tiny little baby and then a toddler and then a little boy and then a young adult all the way up until it was just this little old man and then finally a skeleton. Mm -hmm. And... 
And I said, well, tell me more. How does this represent reincarnation? And, and he said, well, you know, whether or not we literally die and come back um, into a new body may we, you know, we, it may or may not be the way that the, that the universe works. Right. But we can look at one single lifetime and I can show you how many times one soul has inhabited so many different bodies. And, and so he says for Hindu, we believe that reincarnation is true, even if it is just within one lifetime, because mm. there's no way that one soul can just stay in one incarnation throughout its entire mortal journey. It has to migrate into these different beings, you know, mm. which has like an interesting biological component because we are always sloughing off old skin cells. Our organs are sloughing off old cells and we're regenerating new ones. And it's uh, well known that we don't actually have the exact same cells our entire life. I think the exception is they say there are some of our brain cells that maybe last our whole lifetime. <laughs> Most of them, though, are like being reborn. So that really sank into my bones because I thought, oh my gosh, like we are experiencing the cycle of life, uh, a birth life and I'm jumbling this up, death, rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again. And birth is simply a little microcosm of that. And I think that once we see it for what it is and that we can identify those stages, that that's when it starts working for us instead of against us. Yes. I actually read somewhere that I think the majority of your body every seven years goes through a cycle where you are no longer like you're a complete new body of cells, like actual cells. Is it seven years? I think it's seven years. That's I'll have to cool. we'll fact check that. Yeah. But... Seven years, if you think about in the, from birth to seven years, what changes? From seven years to 14, from 14 yeah. to 21. It's pretty substantial. And you think it about how the differences that there are. Because I think about back to when my oldest is seven, which thinking back to, of course, for me, that seems really symbolic right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I became a mother a little over seven years ago is when I had my first difficult birth. And to think about that, that girl, that woman um, that I was... And it really does feel like a different being. Yeah. Like, of course, there's this theme of me, and I know that was me, but I have changed in so many ways, and motherhood does that, right? Um, but I think that's really beautiful just to think of it's so we kind of recreate ourselves, and to, to it, yeah. instead of having that be kind of scary, to have it be something we embrace. I think that's why they also say that most, like the majority of divorces end around seven, or majority, the the spike of divorces is like year seven. That's interesting. Or it's like the seven year itch. Have you heard that? Year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is tied into it. Yeah. yeah. Which is like to think that we, maybe if we don't in our marriages allow this evolution theme to exist, if we, we think we hold each other in these boxes of what, what we've said or what we've done and who we are, and we mm -hmm. don't allow the other person's identity to die and be reborn, we don't allow this becoming in our partner, that after a certain amount of time, we feel like we don't recognize them anymore or that yeah. they've changed into something we don't connect with the same way yeah. that for some people, maybe that is part of that, that growing, we can grow together and become together. Or if one, we kind of change directions because that's natural part of being a human is that being static is just actually, you can't really, I don't think you can stand still. Like I don't actually think you said the never ending cycle of, of never changing. I actually don't think a caterpillar 
could go into a coon, become goo, and then come out the exact same caterpillar. It's kind I think of a, if he doesn't allow fallacy, isn't it? Yeah. It's like impossible. Wouldn't he just stay goo? Or would mm-hmm. he come out a different caterpillar who's also really grumpy because he just had to be goo for no reason? Or he could be a, ca- a caterpillar that resists the cocoon the whole time, but then he's left behind by all of his caterpillar friends and family who have gone on and embraced <laughs> the cycle. Mm-hmm. And and then I think you're you're left you know, wondering where to go with your life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you live a life of resistance and, and all the while not realizing that you were born to fly mm-hmm. and, and just too scared to actually go through the process of getting your wings. Yeah. And that's like a huge theme in birth too, right? Is the fear, yeah. is the fear and what it does to us and our progress and how it in the birth itself. Cause in birth, you kind of have to cocoon. You don't, yeah. once you become pregnant, that's part of the, the natural that's turning part in. of the deal is that yeah. you're going to, no matter how you birth, there will be a cocooning. Yeah. And it's like you set yourself on that process, but a lot of times we don't intentionally know that the, that's part of the process. That's not something we're taught exactly. by our mothers. That's not something that I, I wasn't taught anything about about birth and the the changes it would bring or the things mm-hmm. to happen in my body. Like I, I knew the general concepts, but no yeah. one had sat me down and told me, this is hey, an friend. epic journey that you're <laughs> undertaking. And yeah. Let me prepare you. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey friend, this is a big deal. Yeah. Like, just like, do you realize what a big deal this is? And that mm-hmm. you're going to transform and it's going to not be easy, but it's also awesome. Yeah. And I didn't really have anybody that's to tell me that. And I think that's part of the beautiful thing about, bringing bhava into the conversation is knowing that like this is that potential and that that messy becoming mm-hmm. um that that's a part of the story the essential part of the story yeah i love that <laughs> there's one other concept i want to throw at you okay you do you have the headspace for it yes i do <laughs> i know Please. you do well, one other way that I love applying the concept of bhava with my clients is when we're doing some postpartum processing and mentoring. So let's say I had a client who had maybe a really traumatic birth in her past, and then this is like her third baby, and something occurred in her third delivery that really triggered something from her first delivery, right? Mm. So then we're dealing with this like double layer of emotions from both of these births well it's an opportunity to like sit down with her and 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 kind of show her again the two-dimensional circle that's just like a flat circle on a piece of paper and we talk about how let's say you have this really traumatic thing that happens right at this point of the circle and then you go on living your life and you're winding around the path thinking, oh, I've moved on. I'm over it. I I don't even have to think about that traumatic thing that happened anymore. Until, unfortunately, whammo, that circle brings you full circle. And you're right there back at that trigger. Now, if it's a flat circle, you might think, oh my gosh, I have made no progress. I am back to exactly where I was before. And you can start to feel pretty stuck and pretty discouraged because you're like, you know, years have passed and yet I am still like pulling myself into the fetal position and crying myself to bed. And that's how real and raw and vulnerable I feel. And so therefore, I guess I've made no progress and I I don't even think my therapy and blah, blah, blah has done anything. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really powerful when my client can suddenly 
go from that two-dimensional thinking into like, let's visualize your life as a stairwell. Hmm. And let's say that that trigger that, or not even the trigger, but the initial trauma happened down here on that bottom level. And then you went on living your life. But sister, you were not just on a flat plane. You were ascending a staircase. But the thing is, yeah, at some point, that second level of the staircase is going to overlap right above where that initial trauma was. And so it's going to stir up the memories because you're going to have the same smells, the same emotions. Maybe you'll hear a song. Maybe you'll hear a smell, a smell. Something will trigger you. And it's not to show you how you know futile all of your work has been. It's actually to show you how far you've come. Because there's going to be a gap from that second level to the first level where you're looking down at your trauma and you're saying, hey, I remember you. I remember when that big scary thing mm-hmm. happened, but I'm up here. like, And there's some distance between you and me, but not so far that I can't remember you, but far enough that I'm like, gosh, I've come a long way. And oh my gosh, like just that alone can be the most powerful shift for, for my client. And, and then to recognize, like, sometimes I had one client say, like, oh, my gosh, like, and there's so many more levels that I can climb to. And I'm like, yeah, you, ca- you caught the vision. Like, mm-hmm. every time you ascend to a new level on that stair, you know, imaginary staircase, um, it's just, it's like learning to see those triggers. Like, I believe you were just talking about triggers. And was it our last episode or was it this episode? I don't know. In one of our episodes, we were talking about triggers. And, um, and instead of saying, oh, no, I'm triggered to my trauma. I'm such a failure. It's more like, oh, here it is again. Mm-hmm. I'm on that stairwell and I'm looking down. And it's here to show me not only how far I've come, but what I can work on as I make my climb up the next rung. And so it's like this beautiful space of, of learning to work with the trigger and learning to work with the discomfort and the darkness and the heaviness and say, this can actually help me. This can propel me forward because maybe I had convinced myself that I was completely over it. But the truth is, yeah, it stirred up some things. And I'm kind of glad to know that it's still in there because now I can let go on another layer. Like, um, we've talked about how healing and stories are a lot like onions Mm -hmm. and, um, that it's about layering down. It's not like you can take it out all in one fell swoop. Mm. So, yeah, I love that. And I think that's really beautiful that birth for me, birth and life, they have so many parallels and birth puts us in this like extreme situation where high emotions, high hormones, we're very connected to our body that may be very uncomfortable for some people and it can be very triggering. But once we learn how to do it in those higher, more intense situations, it can be a tool that we build and bring into our everyday lives with our children, with our own families, with our partners that you'll notice. Like a lot of people will say, I just feel like I'm making, we're having the same fight over and over again, or we're doing this over and over again. Like if you think (laughs) about ways in your life that you kind of have that feeling of like, uh, it's just like this, it feels so monotonous almost but we both can't, like, it still hits both of us and we still, we have the same fight um, over the same thing. Or I feel like yeah. the same thing my children are doing is bothering me. Or for doulas, I'll hear doulas say, like, 
Um, I feel used and it just keeps happening. I don't know why I keep finding these clients are like kind of that victimization mm-hmm. mindset that we talked about that you feel like you're stuck in this cycle and it's mm-hmm. happening to you and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. I feel like that's one of the reasons birth, it takes us this other place that is just so clear mm. because it's so once in a lifetime. Yeah. We are not going to do it that often. Yeah. And it is a huge roller coaster of hormones and physical and an emotional uproar. That's, there's a symphony in there, but we're not in touch with all of it. Often it's, it feels kind of out of tune because we're not in our society very connected with birth. That's something we have to learn. That's not something that, that's something we have to actually go out and like take because it's not given to us in most situations. And I love that when we learn it in those difficult situations and the higher we get in the spiral, Mm -hmm. the more sensitive we get to seeing those patterns. The more sensitive we get. Amen to that. Because if we hit that floor and we just realize, I am not moving up. I am not looking from above. Then hmm. it gives us a moment where I think those can be life-changing moments. Those are moments where we say, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing here? Like, why am I doing this the same? Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> you know, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I suffering? I could stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have those moments. And I think that's that's a really beautiful part of birth is that we talk about empowerment and that's essentially what we mean is empowering is taking power. Yeah. It is, is inviting someone and showing someone that they can show up for themselves. They can show up for their needs. Yeah. They can show up for their growth. They can show up for their passion. Absolutely. And it, I think that for me, at least, in mo- the reason motherhood, and this could be a whole other podcast, but the reason motherhood did that for me, and we've talked about this before, is that suddenly my body and my hormones and all of that was responsible for someone besides myself. Yeah. And oftentimes when we are women, we're taught to give and we're taught to serve. Um, and we struggle to, to take. The taking becomes difficult. I think that's beautiful to say it's not taking to stand up for yourself. And birth kind of teaches us that in giving us those motherhood, the mother bear instincts, right? Like right. the reason this means so much to me is because I'm essentially my baby. Mm-hmm. I have this, this innocent baby of mine that I already love, that I want to protect and awaken something in us that often will make it, okay, that was hard for me, but it was hard for us. And this innocent little human that I'm in charge of was born into that. I think about that sometimes with my difficult birth, that that was what my son was born into. Um, And that was a key motivator, but we deserve to have that in all facets of our lives Mm. for us. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful about about this concept of like the circulars that it can, it's about us. It's not about the babies. Our babies are their own people. <laughs> Having their own spiral journey. Having their own spiral journey. <laughs> and part of their spiral journey will be things that we do. Yeah. And that's okay. That's life. And that's, mm-hmm. we can't shelter them from that. We can't do that. So we need to be able to say, yes, my baby is a motivating factor for me. Yeah. But this becoming this baba, this is mine. Right. This is mine. My birth's allowed to be about me right. too. Not just about baby, but about me. Right. And I think that's, I love that, that full circle and that we can come to that, okay, maybe these things were my motivators, but actually I need to be able to, to connect with that for myself. Beautifully said. And I know we're going to do an episode on this very topic, but maybe we can just like close with this little phrase as a little teaser (laughs) coming later, but how you give birth is how you live. Yep. How you give birth is how you live. So just sit with that and know that we're going to pick that apart in a future episode.
Thank you for joining us as we step into darkness, knowing we will find light.